Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight, I'm going to share with you a message that I have titled, Timing is Everything. I was going to go in a different direction, but this just rose up in my spirit, and so I felt the need to just pursue it and deliver it to you tonight. It's called, Timing is Everything, and it's uh, based on Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's read the first five verses first, and then we'll pray. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your holy written word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds to be open to it. We present ourselves to you for change from glory to glory that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his blood for each and every one of us. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word with power and demonstration to penetrate our very souls and challenge each and every one of us to rise up to a higher place in you. And Father, for all things, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Did you ever think there'd be a verse of Scripture in the Bible that says there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing? So I guess that time is upon us right now that we're not allowed to embrace. But praise God, we're looking for the day when we can once again greet each other with a holy kiss or an embrace. Praise God. One recipe for success that I've learned over the years involves being at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right heart. As a matter of fact, I believe that's one of the keys to success here in our ministry as I reflect upon my years here at the church and go back where I started realizing that I was at the right place at the right time. And I obeyed God to do what God had told me to do. You see, I could have spent one more year at school and Tulsa, Oklahoma at Rama Bible Training Center. Uh, but I chose to because I saw the Lord come back home where God set some things in place that would lead me here to the Church of Christian Assembly. So much detail to go into. But the point is, I was at the right place at the right time. Had not, not I been there at that particular time, I don't believe I would have been your pastor. I believe that God would have had to choose somebody else because something needed to be done right then. And, of course, he needed somebody to step in and do it. And so it's all God himself orchestrating things, putting things together like the pieces of a puzzle so that his perfect will can be accomplished and achieved among us here at Christian Assembly Church. Well, when we do something 
is just as important as what we do and how we do it. So timing is essential. Timing is very important. Now, whether it comes to communication in our marriage, whether it comes to, say, preaching, when it comes to sports, when it comes to even comedy, they know that's true. When it comes to baking, you know that's true. And when it comes to reopening our churches, we know that's also going to be true, that timing is very important, and we want to be certain that we do the right thing at the right time. So really, timing, we could say, is absolutely essential, and it means everything to us. As a matter of fact, you could see it being a biblical principle throughout the Scriptures. For example, when it comes to end-time events, we know next on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. And of course, we are longing for that time when Jesus comes again in the clouds of glory, and the graves are going to open, the dead in Christ are going to rise, we that are alive will be changed, caught up in the air and meet them in the sky as spirits and souls are reunited with their physical bodies. And we're going to meet them in the sky and be with, together with the Lord forever. That's on God's next timetable. And that's going to take place. We don't know when, but it's going to take place next. My son Andrew is always asking me, is it rapture going to come today? Is it going to happen tomorrow? You know, Israel became a nation in 1948. He knows tomorrow it's 72 years since they became a nation once again. He said, isn't this the last generation? When are we going to go? And all that. And I just try to tell him, God knows. It's his timing. He knows more than we do. And when he comes, he comes. And we'll be ready to go. That's the most important thing. Be ready. After the rapture of the church, the next thing that takes place on God's timetable is the tribulation period. Seven years on earth that you and I don't want to be anywhere near. Not around any of it. Too much detail to get into right now, but it's not a time to be on this planet during the seven-year tribulation. At the end of that seven-year tribulation, we know Jesus comes again in what is called the second coming of our Lord to save Israel from the hands of all the enemies. After that, of course, we know that Satan's bound for 1,000 years in the abyss. Jesus reigns as king of kings and lord of lords on the earth, the prince of peace, to bring peace upon the planet for 1,000 years. After that takes place, Satan's loose for a time period, a certain period of time in which he'll still tempt people once again at that time. Remember, there'll be those that were never tempted for 1,000 years, but he's going to have a time to do that. And then, of course, we know what's going to take place after that is judgment. And then after that, thank God, there's going to be a new heavens. There's going to be a new earth all on God's timetable. And so we thank God for that. Now, Jesus's life also was based on time and timing. As a matter of fact, go to the book of Galatians chapter 4 and look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. We're talking some 4,000 years it took to fulfill the prophecy that was given way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Of course, 700 years after Isaiah prophesied, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and so on. But all those years came and they gone, they went. And on the time, at the time when God was supposed to send his son, he did. And Jesus was born, praise God, at the right time. And at the right place. Who went about doing the good that he did, the right thing, with the right heart. So once again, we see the life of Jesus being based on timing. He arrived at the right time. Then we have John's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 4. And look at this. This is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Remember at the marriage feast at Cana? Jesus uh, was there. 
They ran out of wine. Mary said to him some things. He says to her, dear woman, that's not our problem. That they don't have enough wine that they ran out. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. There was a time that he was to begin his wonderful works of ministry. And he said that time had not yet come. Then look at chapter 7 and verse 30 of John's gospel. Uh, then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his time had not yet come. So once again, his life was based on timing. Then chapter 12, we see something else. Notice this. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Up until this time, they could not kill him. They could not take his life. Why? His time had not come so when the time finally came that he was going to be crucified he knew it's time to let go time to let the enemy have his way time to go to the cross time to suffer and die and then time to of course be raised up from the dead but you can see that his life was based on timing as well then there's something to be said about the devil himself understanding timing look in matthew's gospel chapter 8 and verse 29 and behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us? Notice this last phrase, before the time. What are those demon spirits talking about? They knew there was a time, and there will be a time, in which they will suffer in the lake of fire eternally. But it happens to be that Jesus appeared on the scene and he wreaked havoc with the kingdom of darkness and just messed up what they were doing. Catching them out, they went to the swine. The swine killed themselves and so on. But everywhere Jesus went, he wreaked havoc with the powers of darkness and destroyed their works. Which is exactly what he came to do. But notice that these demon spirits were aware of the fact that there was a time that they could expect this would happen. They just didn't realize that Jesus was going to do it when he was here upon this earth. So have you come to torment us? before the time then also look in uh, Luke's gospel chapter 4 and this is from the NIV version of the Bible when the devil had finished all his this tempting he left him until an opportune time notice even the enemy understands the need to attack the people of God at the right time and if you think about it Jesus just got done Fasting and praying for 40 days. The Bible says he wasn't hungered. He was very hungry. He was very weak from lack of food and so on. And the enemy took that opportunity at that time to attack him at one of his weakest moments. And what does he attack him with? Turn those stones into bread if you are the son of God to prove that you're the son of God. And of course, we know Jesus resisted that temptation as well as the other temptations, even though he might have been weak and in that weakened condition. So, being defeated by Jesus, the devil left him for what reason? To look for a more opportune time to come back and tempt him once again. Now, isn't that exactly how the enemy works? When you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, everything is going well in your life, and you're prayed up, fired up, filled with the Holy Ghost and power, you're strong in the Lord at that particular point. He may say, let's hold off for a while. But then when he sees maybe some things have happened, you've gone through some difficult times in your life, and maybe you're not as prayed up, fired up as you once was, 
now's the right time. Now's the right time to open up all the floodgates of darkness to try to overcome somebody and defeat them in this life. He's always looking for a more opportune time. He's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's exactly what he's attempting to do. And what is he looking for? Timing. When's the right time to attack that family, to attack that church, to attack that business? He's looking for an opportune time. Same with Jesus. He would come back at a more opportune time to attack him as well. So, when it comes to the life of Jesus, timing was very important. When it comes to the works of darkness to him, timing is very important. But what about when it comes to warfare? Timing is very important. And that includes in the natural world and also in the spiritual realm. Look in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Notice that expression. They understood the value of time. Understood the times that they were in. So that Israel would know what to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. These sons of Issachar, they were men who understood timing. This particular verse was a part of a discussion that was taking place about David's mighty men of valor that were involved in battle and also their battle, battle skills. Well, in warfare, once again, it's important to understand this. It's not only important to be strong, you have to be strategic. And of course, they understood the time that they were in and they understood the right time, for example, let's say to put on a, an attack on an enemy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see this played out in the life of uh, Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. Let's read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 16. This is after, of course, he called for a fasting and a time of prayer. And they sought the Lord because three armies were coming against them that were about to wipe them off the planet. And as a result, the king got the people together with the wives or children, and they prayed to God, seeking the face of God to know exactly what to do. And when to do it. In other words, the timing of it. Well, the Spirit of God fell upon the prophet. And when he did, this is what came out. Tomorrow. Remember, the timing is important. Not tonight. Not two days from now. But tomorrow. Go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. Now, it's important to know that's exactly where they were going to be at that time. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerah. And then go on down to the next, look at the next verse here. Verse 20. And they rose early in the morning, exactly what they were told to do, and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he went on to say that, listen to his prophets, you'll prosper, you'll succeed. And of course, we know the story at that time, God sent his power, his angelic force, and confounded the enemy, and they were all defeated. But the point I want to make, it was at the right place at the right time. If they were late, they wouldn't have been at Ziz. And they would have missed out on the opportunity God provided for them to overcome the enemy. So it's important, whether you're walking around Jericho's walls once a day, and then on the seventh day you do it seven times, and at that last time, you shout, 
The time to shout was not the first day, not the second day, not the third day, but the seventh day after seven times when they had the cue, they were to blow the shofar, they were to shout. Shouting before that would have done them no good. Timing is important even in spiritual warfare. We need to seek the face of God so that we can know what to do at any given time. Also, when it comes to decision making, timing is essential and timing is very important. I'm sure many of you have heard John Maxwell, pastor, author, speaker. He teaches on leadership around the world. Here's what he said. Good leaders recognize that when to lead is as important as what to do and where to go. Timing is often the difference between success and failure. And then he made these four observations. The wrong action at the wrong time leads to disaster. Can you imagine if they would have went out at the wrong time when they were being approached by three armies? At a time when they were told not to do it, they could have been destroyed. And truly it would have been a disaster. But then also he said the right action at the wrong time leads to resistance. Whatever the endeavor might be. It could be pastoring a church. It could be within your family. It might be the right thing to do, but the timing is wrong. And if the timing is wrong, you might be resi get resistance from some of the people involved. If it comes to leadership and you've got half of the people resisting what you want to do, it could be the right thing to do, but it might be the wrong time to do it. I remember when first coming here to the church, how we were involved in an organization. And at that particular time, there was a lot of things that we had to consider. And so once we all gathered together and put our heads together after a certain period of time, the Lord spoke to our hearts individually that it's time for us to make this particular move. And so what we did was unanimously got together and made the move that we believe God was leading us to make. The timing was right. Had we tried to do that earlier, the first maybe the first six months or first year of ministry here, we might have gotten a lot of resistance. But it proved out and panned out to be good because it was what God wanted to do when he wanted us to do it. We wanted everybody to get on board. It's like this. You want to make certain that all the train cars are together and connected to the engine so you can all go down the track together. If you've got resistance along the way, it could be very detrimental to a family, to a church, to a business, or whatever organization it might be. So the right action at the wrong time can lead to resistance. The wrong action at the right time is a mistake. The right action at the wrong time can lead to a mistake. The wrong action, rather, at the right time can lead people down a wrong track as well. So it's important that we recognize these simple truths about timing so that we know when to do something, even though we know what to do, but when are we going to do it? The last one, of course, being the right action at the right time results in success. Once again, I go back to the ministry that God has called me to. When I was at school, I could have gone another year to the other year, last year of the program. But I went uh, into prayer and sought the face of God. And he said, it's time for you to go back to Ohio where you came from. I could have stayed there. I could have ignored that. I could have stayed exactly where I was. Remember, 
Moving halfway across the country with all that's involved in that is not an easy thing to do. It had been a lot easier to stay there, to learn more, etc., etc. But I knew in my heart that God was saying, this is the right decision and this is the right time to do it. Once again, had I stayed there one more year, then the opportunity maybe would not have existed for me to be here as pastor of the church. So I made that decision at the right time to go back to Ohio where I was asked uh, by the pastor of the church in one of the Christian Assembly churches up in uh, Youngstown, actually the south side of Youngstown, called South Side Christian Assembly Church, and he asked me to help out with his youth there. And that was a time that I said, absolutely, I'd be glad to do so, whatever I can do to help out, because I wanted to serve the Lord in any capacity. And it was there at that church that he asked me to come in after about three or three weeks maybe being there, three or four weeks being there. He said, we have another church, a sister church in Midland, Pennsylvania. Would you mind going down there and holding a service down there? And I said, absolutely not. Be glad to go there and do it. Well, then he said, well, will you consider being the pastor of the church? And I said, absolutely not. I'm too young. I would never want to take on that responsibility whatsoever. That God would have to speak to me in an audible voice for me to do something like that. I laughed. He laughed. I said, just like Moses in the burning bush. There's no way I'll possibly do that. So I just uh, was ready to come down, preach a message down in Midland. And on the way down, God spoke in an audible voice and said, you will be the next pastor of that church. It was so loud, I thought everybody heard it, but nobody else heard it but me. Very vocal, very loud that I heard that within my being. And of course, uh, long story short, that's been 40, going on 41 years ago that I heard those words come to me. But what I, what I have heard those words had I stayed there that year in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, I think not. I wouldn't have been in any position to do anything like that. I wouldn't have known that he needed help at that church. I wouldn't have known there was a church in Midland that needed a pastor. None of those things would have come together like pieces of a puzzle. But making the right decision at the right time is what leads to success. And that's why it's important for us to be sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit and whatever our endeavor might be, whatever it is that we're choosing to do. Now, look at the book of Proverbs. We give an example biblically about that. Chapter 27, verse 14. And look at what it says from the NIV. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with loudly blessing your neighbor. Early in the morning, there's your problem. It will be taken as a curse. So it's okay to bless your neighbor even loudly, but don't do it early in the morning and wake them up. They may not be happy with what you're doing. And so that's just an example of what it means to make the right choice at the right time and then you can be that blessing that God would have you to be. Now also, this is Warren Spahn. For those of you who don't know who Warren Spahn is, he was a South Paul pitcher, major league pitcher, left-handed pitcher, and he was very, very good. As a matter of fact, said to be one of the best ever to play the game. His quotes are these, hitting is timing. Pitching is upsetting timing. So in other words, you want to get to the place to where They've got their timing down as to how they're going to hit the ball, but you want to make sure that you mess that up so that they miss the ball. And that was his secret to success. Well, that could be played out in any area of our lives. Timing is critical. Timing is important. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to sow. There's a time to reap what was sown. We know we don't sow in October. That would be futile around here. We know we wouldn't get any crop whatsoever. We do it in the springtime. And to be honest with you, I had my doubts this spring about our weather. 
just today there was frost out there. So we want to make sure that here in western Pennsylvania, we wait probably to the end of May before we sow the seed, plant the plants, etc. When's it time to plant? In the springtime. When's it time to reap? In the fall time. When's it time to be born? Well, when you're born into this world, we got God's timing going. When's it time to die? Just like it is for reaping at a ripe old age. And so it's important that we recognize God knows what he's talking about. Timing is essential. Timing is important to all of us in all areas of our lives. Now, I said all that to bring us to this, to give you an update. As I said to you before, we're going to monitor the situation that we're going through here in all of our churches, really throughout the country and also worldwide. There are different attitudes that exist in state and local governments about churches reopening in light of COVID-19. We also have heard, I'm sure you have, that there are pastors in California that really presented their governor a proposal to consider for reopening their churches on May the 31st, which happens to be Pentecostal or Pentecost Sunday. Now, to ensure the safety of the people, they had to come up with a proposal and they had to let this governor know exactly what they intend to do and how they intended to do it. Well, to ensure the members of their church, their safety and well-being, uh, as well as the others that might be guests and community people, what did they have to do? They said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a measure where we provide plexiglass, possibly between the pews, um, masks, gloves, taking their temperature, putting plastic on all the pews. And then after they sit down, of course, social distancing as well, every other pew, but sitting on the plastic instead of the pew so it's not in the fiber of the pew or the chair, then throwing the plastic away after every time someone sits on it. And they were going to present that, among other things, that they were going to do as far as people coming in, social distancing, when they come into the church service, staying outside six feet apart, sitting in pews, putting tape six feet apart in the pews so that people make sure that they're six feet apart. You could have families sit together, but then the next family had to be six feet apart, so on and so forth. But they want to go back on May the 31st and conduct services that way. Now, I understand that it's a wonderful thing to be able to get together once again, but I also try to think about what it would be like. I'm looking at puppets out there and pictures out there. If I see people out there with masks on and gloves on and plexiglass in between them and all that, it's not like it's a normal type of a church service that we're used to like before all this took place. But still, this is what they're endeavoring to do. This is what they would like to do, have people back in church, and that's a wonderful thing if the governor allows it. Well, based on what they're doing, other pastors throughout the country are deciding what it is that they should do. And what we have to remember is this statement is true. One size doesn't fit all. We understand that different states have different views. Different governors, governors have different views. And also different statistics exist out there in different places. You know as well as I do, Beaver County, we're the only one in our area that's in the red still. And why? Because of one particular rehabilitation center, Brighton Rehab Center, has a lot of people, many that have died and have contracted the COVID-19. And that's the thing that really keeps us, of course, in the red and prevents us from going into the yellow. So as a result, our governor, I think he has sent uh, the National Guard there to check things out and so on and so forth. But as a result, of course, he is very reluctant to get us out of the red and get us into the yellow. Well, 
My desire as your pastor is to to do the right thing at the right time. With the right heart. Why? To ensure your safety, the safety of our guests who who might come in, and also to ensure the safety of our people around us in our community, and also to be a shining light to them around it. Because we have to remember this, we want to win them to the Lord. We want to see to it that they come to Jesus. And we want to see to it that we let our light shine among men so they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So when it comes to what we're going to do as a church, many things factor in here. First of all, let's you know, we've signed a petition with other churches in the state and sent the petition to Governor Wolf to let him know we really desire to get back to church, that our churches are reopened for worship and for the praise of God. We know our constitutional rights. We understand that. But also we understand that our need is to also see to it that we cooperate to do the right thing so that we don't become an agent of death here in our area. Well, we want to honor God in our decision as to what we do. But also, we want to also let you know that whatever we need to do to get back together, we want to do. And we're going to start out by doing it exactly how we are expected to do it as far as our government is concerned. We'll see how long this goes on. But as of right now, it's June the 4th that we are told is the time. Once again, they'll look at as to whether or not we can leave the red to get into the yellow zone. And then what's the yellow zone going to look like? There's still social distancing. They're still wearing masks and so on. Um, Many things that we're going to have to discover as far as the protocol is concerned. But we're waiting for the right time to do the right thing so we can get the right results. But just to give you a little bit of an update, if you've seen this or not, I don't know. When it comes to um, COVID-19, let me just run some of these statistics by you. This is from Worldometer. You can go on Worldometer on Google. You can search it up for yourself. And from January the 1st to April the 1st of 2020, with regard to worldwide deaths, COVID-19 at that point was 46,438. But the seasonal flu was 121,993. When it comes to malaria, it was 246,121. When it comes to suicide, 269,076. When it comes to AIDS, HIV, 421,808. Alcohol-related deaths, 627,571. Deaths caused by smoking, 1,254,352. When it comes to cancer, 2,060,730 people worldwide. From January 1st to April 1st. When it comes to hunger, 2,806,314. Now brace yourself. When it comes to abortion, 10,665,130. Abortion. What a sad scenario to realize. You talk about saving lives, lives that could be and should be saved. Ten million abortions. And what I understand by worldwide measures and statistics, 
approximately 58 million babies are aborted every year. If and this is any indication that could mount up to maybe 40, which would be a lot less, but still, it's hard to imagine. Now, right now, as far as update, active cases of uh, COVID-19, 2,459,444. Mild cases, 2,413,536, which is 98% of the cases are mild. Serious cases, which could be um, life-threatening, 45,900. And eight. These would be the critical ones. So the mild cases amount to 98%. The serious cases, 2%. Now those are the active cases. The closed cases, already that have been closed, 1,941,604. Of that, those that recovered were discharged, 1,645,277 or 85% recovered and were discharged. Deaths, 15%. 296,327 deaths took place. So obviously, you know, we're dealing with a situation that we have to be aware of and use a lot of common sense as well as understanding. And so we as a church, we made a decision that we are going to do the right thing at the right time. And whatever that right thing is for us, we'll seek the face of God on. Whatever that right time is, we'll seek the face of God on. Why? Because, like anything else, timing is absolutely essential. It means everything. We want to be people that do it the right way. That God would be glorified. That the people of God would be protected. Their well-being would be ensured. As well as the guests that come into this place. As well as others in our community. They could see our light shine. That we did it the right way. God will be glorified. The needs of people will be met. Praise God. Well, you join together with us because we long for the day when we can meet together again and basically have church like we normally have church in a Pentecostal way. You know as well as I do, we believe in laying hands on people for them to recover. But you know, there's no distance in the Spirit. We believe you can receive right where you're at, which is why, thank God, we really emphasize personal faith in God. Think about it. We thank God you can come here and be ministered to that way and effectively that way. But also, it doesn't mean that God's limited in your life. We don't limit the Holy One of Israel with doubt, with unbelief. Right where you're at right now, you can receive from God. Believe you receive. Mark 11:23, Mark 11:24, James chapter 1, 5 through 7. Believe you receive from God without wavering. And praise God, through faith and patience, you can inherit the promises of God. Speak to that mountain and tell it what to do. And it's got to go because God's Word says it should. He said, speak to a sycamine tree. Pluck up by the root, be planted and see. It will obey you. Use your authority that God has given you. Use the power of the name of Jesus. So thank God we can do it no matter what. No matter where we're at. And as far as timing is, is concerned with that, you can do it any time of day that you want. Any time of night that you want. You've got the word of God in your heart. You've got the word of God in your mouth. And you can use it, praise God, in a powerful way to glorify Him and receive the need that you have met according unto His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God, we serve an unlimited God, unlimited power, and He's more than enough to meet our every need. In His mind, He's already done it. The greater one really does live in each and every one of us. And so we thank God, we've been taught faith, we know how to walk by faith, how to live by faith, how to fight the good fight of faith. 
Praise God, where to we've been called and we professed a good profession before many witnesses. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Remember that verse? 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. What does that mean? No matter when, no matter where, we look to Him. He's the cause of our victory. He's greater in us. He made us more than conquerors. We're overcomers by our faith in Him, who He is, what He's done, and what He'll do through somebody who believes. What did uh, Jesus tell the one man who brought his son who was suicidal, who threw himself into the water to drown himself, threw himself to the fire to burn himself to death? Suicidal man. Son, the son, he brought his son. He was just so overwhelmed by what was going on with this child of his that was trying to kill himself constantly. And the man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And what does Jesus say? Son, it's not what I can do. It's what you can believe. And if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the man says, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Shouldn't that be the cry of our hearts? I believe with all the faith I have. If I need to rise up in a greater level of faith, help me get rid of unbelief in my life. Because you know what, Lord? I want you to have your way. I want you to be able to do what you want to do in and through my life. And so it takes faith to do it. I'm going to believe for it. Praise God. You're born again through faith, filled with the Holy Ghost by faith, receive healing by faith, you minister in faith, and praise God, faith makes it all work. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, you've been taught the Word of God, you've been taught the Word of faith, you know exactly how to use it, and I trust that we're all using our faith to overcome no matter what we're facing in this situation. If you've contracted this in any way, you've got your faith to use. You can thank God for natural means, you can thank God for medical means, but you know what? Don't abort your life of faith. Use your faith to tap into the unlimited resources of the God that you serve and let His power see you through to victory. Praise God. And so we thank God for each and every one of us to rise up, stand firm, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and overcome in this life. Well, praise God. I pray that you receive from that Word of God today. Thank God for who He is and for what He's done. Amen.